Well, good morning, church. Grateful to be with you on this Mother's Day morning. Happy Mother's Day to all the moms out there. Happy Mother's Day, mom. I love you. Um, we are um, continuing in a series that we are calling Redeeming Rest. And we're, we're looking at what are some rhythms in our lives that we can build into as believers in Christ, as the church together to um, connect with God in a more profound way. And so it's been said that hurry is one of the greatest enemies to our spiritual lives. Uh, and we know we just live in this hurried, frantic culture. And so we've been looking at for the last few weeks, how do we create rhythms in our lives to eliminate the hurried, frantic state that we find ourselves in? And so this morning, uh, here's the question for us. Is there a practice in the life of Jesus that he comes back to again and again and again to um, that, that comes up against the pressure of constant hurry, that, that combats this idea of hurry and distraction in the life of Christ as we survey the New Testament. Um, is there something uh, that Jesus does that helps him connect with the Lord most fully uh, even amongst the busyness that he found himself in in ministry, the constant demands that he found himself that and then also we occupy ourselves with. And the short answer is yes, there is. And I believe this practice that we observe in the life of Jesus is more needed and necessary than ever before. And it's this practice of solitude and silence that we see in the life of Christ. Um, many call it a spiritual discipline. Uh, some call it a, a, a spiritual rhythm, uh, a practice that we do. Uh, but it's this practice of uh, silence and solitude that I believe is so necessary today for us. And these two things, in fact, if, if you sort of maybe look at your own life, are things that many of us never even engage in. In fact, they're kind of frightening to engage in at some levels. Um, in the last couple of months, as we've been forced into some new rhythms in our everyday lives with homeschooling, with not going into an office, with uh, maybe having just more alone time than we've ever found ourselves in, maybe for some of us, not, not, that's not the case, but some of us have found ourselves just sort of not knowing what to do with the time that we have. And maybe we've been faced with moments of solitude uh, when we're not filling our lives with all of these other things. And it's sort of a rattling, sort of uh, strange um, thing to face in our lives and in our hearts and in our souls. In fact, many of us, for many of us, the idea of solitude is, can be even terrifying because we have this innate fear of, of being alone. Um, we have this great fear of missing out and so we want to just fill our lives with all the things and with uh, all the busyness and all the people that oftentimes we just don't practice the spiritual rhythm, the spiritual discipline of solitude and silence. Um, Richard Foster, in his great book on the spiritual disciplines called The Celebration of Discipline, defines defines it this way, and I find this to be really helpful. He says, loneliness is inner emptiness, but solitude is inner fulfillment. 
And so solitude, this spiritual discipline of solitude that we even see in the life of Jesus that we'll get to, is something we engage in to actually fill our hearts with more of God, to limit distraction, to limit hurry, to limit busyness, and to fill our hearts with more of God and with more of Jesus. And so this morning, I just want to simply take a look at Scripture, uh, and I want to see this pattern in the life of Jesus of silence and solitude. And so if Jesus himself engages in this practice, then I think we need to take notice, and we need to do likewise. We're going to see that silence and solitude mark the life and ministry of our Lord Jesus. In fact, time and time and time again, uh, we see Jesus retreat to a time of solitude. In fact, this is how he begins his earthly ministry. It's how Jesus makes important decisions that need to be made. It's how he dealt with troubling emotions like grief and even sorrow. It's how he dealt with the constant demands of ministry and life and all the people and how he cared for his own soul and connected with the Father. It's how he taught his disciples oftentimes where they retreated to solitude. It's how he prepared for important ministry events. And it's how he even prepared for his death on the cross that purchased our very own redemption. Silence and solitude were vital in the life of our Lord Jesus, and I believe they need to be a rhythm and pattern in our lives as well. And so here at the very beginning of Jesus's ministry, uh, Mark chapter 1, verses 9 through 13, we're going to see this first, um, we're going to see Jesus begin his ministry, and we're going to see him in solitude. Mark 1, 9 through 13. In those days, Jesus came from Nazareth of Galilee and was baptized by John in the Jordan. And when he came up out of the water, immediately he saw the heavens being torn open and the spirit descending on him like a dove and a voice came from heaven. You are my beloved son. With you, I am well pleased. And so here, uh, the very beginning of his earthly, uh, earthly ministry, you see the announcement that Jesus is the Messiah. We see right here in this passage, the Father speaking. We see the Holy Spirit descending. And we see the very Son of God. We have the Trinity present right here in this passage. And then listen to the, the verse 12, right after the Trinity is there, the Spirit immediately drove him, Jesus, out into the wilderness and he He was in the wilderness for 40 days. So right after Jesus's public ministry is inaugurated, Jesus goes into solitude for 40 days. The spirit of God drives him out there. Now that word wilderness that we have here is translated a lot of different ways in the New Testament. In fact, a lot of different ways, even in the gospel of Mark, as you read it, your translation may not use the word wilderness. It may use the word desert. Um, And so it's translated as desert, it's translated as a desolate place, it's translated as a solitary place, uh, and it's even translated the quiet place. And I love that one. That Jesus retreated out to the quiet 
place. And so before Jesus would begin his public ministry, before he would begin preaching and teaching and healing and um, feeding the 5,000 and calling his disciples, he goes to the quiet place and he spends 40 days in silence and in solitude in the quiet place. And this 40 days is what prepares Jesus for what lies ahead. It's where he draws his strength. It's where he hears most clearly from the Father. And so just a quick practical application question for us here this morning is, do you have a quiet place? Here on Mother's Day, moms, you may be thinking, no, I don't have one quiet moment in any time, in any part of my day. Well, I want to encourage you, encourage all of us, that we need to carve out some time and some place that we can retreat with the Lord. And we can discern that still small voice. Maybe it's a room in your home. Maybe it's a room in your apartments. Maybe it's a park that you frequent that you can just still your mind and your heart and hear from God and pray and walk alone. Maybe it's even your car. Maybe that's your only place where you can retreat away. Now, church, it's really, 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 really difficult in this world that we live in to have a quiet place. Uh, Because even in the quiet, we too quickly, we all too quickly grab for the endless stream of entertainment and information that resides in our right pocket. That's just waiting and ready for us to fill any small gap of silence and solitude in our lives with more noise and with more entertainment. We busy ourselves so quickly. But in the life of Christ, we see silence and solitude be so vital for us to discern the will of God and the voice of God. In fact, most of us in this life that we live and that we lead, we have no idea what it even means or feels like to be bored anymore. Uh, Ash and I were talking about that just the other night. Like, we just, there's always something to read, there's something to watch, there's something to do, there's something to look at, there's something to sign up for, there's something, uh, there's just, there's always something. And so we're rarely, if ever, bored. That just is not something that we, that's not an emotion or a feeling that we grapple with anymore in the world that we live in today. Even Christian subculture can suck you into this endless stream of things to watch, of things to read, of things to listen to, of a new podcast or a new conference or a new thing to sign up for or the next new thing. It's just, it pulls you in and you don't want to miss out. And so if we're not careful, we fill every single space of margin with so much stuff, even good stuff that we have no time for stillness and silence and solitude to refresh our hearts and to hear clearly from the Lord. Jesus did not occupy his time with things like that. When he needed to be close to the Father, he didn't register for the next epic thing that's going to change your life forever. He met with his Father in the quiet place, uh, in the desolate place, in the wilderness, And it fueled him to go out and to do that which would lay before him. 
It's in the quiet place that solidified his mission for his public ministry and how he would carry it out. It was in the quiet place that he drew his strength. We see again in Mark chapter 1, at the very beginning of his ministry, Mark 1.35, and rising, speaking of Jesus, rising very early in the morning, while it was still dark, he departed and went to a desolate place or a quiet place, and there he prayed. So early in the morning, Jesus had a custom of going out and finding his quiet place to pray. Um, Not teaching, not even reading, but to pray, to commune with his heavenly father. Mark 1, 45, but he went out and began to talk freely about it and to spread the news so that Jesus could no longer openly enter a town but was out in desolate places and people were coming to him from every quarter. And so Jesus would go out to these lonely places to pray and people would come pressing in on him, even in those places for ministry. And his disciples would even have to go look for him to find him because he would just constantly just sort of vanish off to desolate places, to quiet places, to be with the father. And finally, this was such a striking thing to his followers and to the people that observed Jesus that uh, we even read about it in Luke chapter 11 that the disciples came up to him and, and they They see Jesus even referring to God as Abba, and they say, Lord, teach us how to pray like you do. They're in awe of Jesus's relationship to his father in this secret, in this quiet place that the disciples say, teach us to pray like you do. We want to be able to talk to God like you do. And Jesus takes a moment, though he was interrupted, uh, and he teaches them, and he teaches them the Lord's prayer in that moment. He teaches him how to pray to the Father. Mark 3, going on. And he went up to the mountain to call him those whom he desired, and they came to him. Jesus went alone to a mountainside to pray, and then with guidance from the Father, he then appoints his disciples to follow him. So he even goes out alone to be with the Father before he calls those that would be with him in his earthly ministry. Um. Mark 6, verse 30 and 32, the apostles returned to Jesus and told him all that they had done and taught. And he said to them, come away by yourself to a desolate place and rest a while. For many were coming and going and they had no leisure even to eat. And they went away in the boat to a desolate or quiet place by themselves. Jesus basically goes on this retreat with his disciples to get away, to be alone, by boat. Um, The context of this story was John the Baptist had just been killed, and they go out, and they needed to go grieve together to comfort one another and be comforted by the Father. Mark 6, 45, immediately he made his disciples get into a boat and go before them to the other side to Bethesda, but while he dismissed the crowd, but after he had taken leave of them, he went up on the mountain to pray. Jesus went up on the mountainside to walk and to pray in his quiet place. He walked amongst God's creation. And then uh, it's in the context of this story, as Jesus is up in his quiet place on the mountain, that he looks down at the Sea of Galilee and he sees his disciples, his friends on a boat and a storm starts rising up 
And it's in this context, he sees their fear and Jesus walks out to them on the water. The context of Jesus walking on water was that he was with the Father on the mountain in his quiet place. Mark 9, 2. After six days, Jesus took with him Peter and James and John, and he led them up a high mountain by themselves, and he was transfigured before them. Jesus grabs two of his friends, James and John. They climb this mountain to go connect as Jesus goes to be with the Father. They, uh, they were praying and they were resting on this mountaintop and Jesus went out a ways from them so that he could abide with the Father in prayer. And there, right before their eyes, Jesus engages in this conversation with Moses and Elijah. And he was transfigured and they saw the glory of Jesus radiated like the sun. Jesus showed the disciples his divine nature as the Son of God and it changed their lives forever. So Jesus went up to this mountain, and this is where he is most connected with the Lord. The Father was his source of life and transformation. Mark 14, going on through the Gospel of Mark. And they went to a place called Gethsemane. And he said to his disciples, sit here while I pray. There's the tail end of his ministry. Jesus knows the end is near. Jesus took Peter and James and John to the garden. And it's in this olive grove where they observe their Lord praying all night in preparation for what's await, what awaits him, the cross. And in fact, the disciples, they can't, they can't stay up all night. They fall asleep many times. But Jesus continues and persists in deep prayer. He surrenders his will to the Father over and over and over again in this moment. He says, not my will, but yours be done, God. He gathers his resolve in this quiet place to take on the sin of the world, to be tortured, to be mocked, to have a crown of thorns beat onto his brow. He knew what awaited him but he clings to the Father even in his moment of great anguish, even in his moment of great distress. He is there in the garden saying, God, I trust you. God, I hear from you. God, not my will, but yours be done. He was connected to God in the quiet place and he was empowered to walk forward in that which awaited him. The life of Jesus is marked with solitude and silence. Now, for some of us, the thought of being alone uh, and not having our phones, not having our computers, but simply just being alone is kind of terrifying. And it almost feels strange or awkward. Um, but the discipline of solitude is not just escaping or disengaging for selfish reasons, or taking a me day, but it's the discipline of chosen aloneness with God, with the purpose of engaging and dwelling in the presence of God. And for many of us, if we've never done that, it's probably not going to be uh, 40 days that you're going to be able to do this. It's going to be us learning this new rhythm, taking baby steps toward it, um, 
dwelling in the presence of God, maybe for 30 minutes uninterrupted with your phone in the next room and your computer off and um, hearing from God, praying, taking your, what's going on in your heart to the Lord, knowing he hears you and he cares about you. And so the discipline of solitude and silence, I think is threefold. Uh, it's the practice of, of having stilled all the external noise in our lives. So sort of creating the space and environments to do that. Uh, it's learning to be quiet on the inside um, so that we can hear and discern the still small voice of God. And finally, this is difficult uh, for a lot of us, the discipline of silence and solitude enables us to not have to speak even when we have something to say. We live in an age where um, it seems like the world is just waiting to hear what we have to say next, and we fill each other's lives with the next new thing to say. The discipline of solitude and even silence is not speaking, but rather hearing, even when we feel like we have something to say, because we know that his voice, and if we can get his voice to fill our hearts and our mind, maybe then we'll have something worthwhile of saying. So solitude helps us understand the practice of listening to God. Solitude teaches us the lost art of listening and not just speaking. Listening is not just waiting to talk again. Listening is listening, taking it in, hearing, hearing from the Lord, hearing from the people around you and not just being quick to offer your opinion. Solitude trains us and helps us to be comfortable in not being understood. Solitude trains us to be comfortable in not being attended to in every moment. Solitude trains us to be comfortable in not being heard, but rather in listening. And solitude, most importantly, teaches us how to be alone without being lonely. Um, lonely, church, is not just about other people being in the same room as you. It's an inner condition. It's a heart condition. And solitude helps us hear from the Lord and know that we are secure in Christ and not in other people's thoughts or opinions. And this actually makes us better friends when we engage with the people that we love in our church and our family and our friends. It helps us to be better husbands. It helps us to be better wives. It helps us to be better moms to our children. It helps us to be better dads to our children because we're connected with God. Loneliness is inner emptiness. This is not what we're talking about. Solitude is inner fulfillment, being rooted and grounded in God, hearing from him in the quiet place. And so church, this week, I wanna challenge you. I want to encourage you. Um, moms, dads, single, wherever you find yourselves in, retired, um, find your quiet place this week. Turn off the distractions. Silence the noise, sit with the Lord, hear from him, listen to him, 
It may feel strange, but it's so worthwhile. Uh, Be filled with the Spirit of God. Be filled with His voice. Commune with God. Take your request to Him. Talk to Him and hear from Him. Let's do that this week. And let's maybe baby step into that so that maybe even sometime this year, you may even work up to taking a day with the Lord. That rather than taking a day off from me, you're going to take a day off to hear from the Lord. That would be a great goal for us as a church to work toward. Let's pray together, church. Lord, we thank you for your word. We thank you that we see these clear patterns in your life. And God, we want to learn from you, Jesus. We want, to, we want to abide in you. We want to walk close to you. We want to hear from you. And so, God, I pray that in the days ahead, you would give us little small victories in solitude and silence. God, I know it seems like there's so much that works against us in that, but God, I pray you would give us resolve and that you would give us a plan that we could put into our calendars to hear most clearly from you. And God, that we would anchor our hearts and our minds to you in the quiet place that we would hear clearly from you that that when we do lord that that would be a well from us and from within us to go back into the relationships that we have lord with something meaningful to say because it's come from you Um, lord we love you we long to honor you with our lives jesus we thank you um for the good news of the gospel that we are now sons and daughters of the Most High because of Jesus and his death and his resurrection on our behalf through faith. In Christ's name we pray, amen.